The Daily Ding is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know the NBA ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way into the game. You know, there are the panoramic seat view photos from every single section as you're navigating through the app. It makes it simple, quick, and easy to just find the seat you want, find the view that you're really looking for, and then two taps to check out. It's just that easy. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last minute tickets. Welcome to the Daily Ding on the Athletic Podcast Network. Something that was said the other day. So on this Taco Tuesday, here's DeMarcus Cousins. Lakers are going to give their fans tacos. <laughs> and that's what they're that's what they're chanting. Look at LeBron. <laughs> you know, I can try in Spanish, but I ain't really that good in Spanish. This all goes when I hope I have no friends. I can't even put in the words my level of disgust, frustration, and beyond. Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Wednesday morning. We have a trio of games on this Tuesday night to start your day. I'm Jared Weiss, joined by Nitz with Rob Lopez, trying to add NBA TV to his Leaf Pass subscription. It really is the greatest crime against humanity coming up on today's Daily Ding. Trey Young rolls an ankle. College athletes are getting paid and AD likes free throws. But first, Jimmy Butler is back in Miami, baby. The Heat win 112 to 97 in Miami. Jimmy Butler's season debut. He was quite good, actually. 21 points for him. Tyler is the hero we deserve. Bam, bam, bam. And Kendrick Nunn versus Harrow for the biggest ROI surprise of the year. Nits. Let's talk about Jimmy Butler first. Let's first talk about He's that good terrible still. pun you put in. Um, yeah, yeah. Sure, really Jimmy Butler. Terrible pun. Yeah, what about Jimmy Butler, man? He was, in, I mean, okay, he was incredible in the first quarter. Can we make that distinction a little bit? He scored like 12 points off the bat to start and then scored nine the rest of the game. He wasn't anything too exceptional, but I think for his debut with the Heat, it, it was good enough, right? Oh, for sure. And what I love is that he had 21 points, right? But it was 10 for 15 from the line. And it was the fact that he was setting the tone by attacking hard. I think it was the first offensive possession of the game was him just literally driving past three defenders to get to the rim. Uh, and the, the the stat that really jumped out here was the Heat went 33 from 45 from the line. And all of those free throws, except for, I think, a couple trips to the line for Drogic, they all came from Butler, Bam, and Harrow. So, you know, the physicality is really what's leading the way for Miami, and that's what's going to make them good this year. And Butler is the face of that. Yeah, it was almost hysterical, the rookies they put on him, and they just couldn't stop the guy, which is very Butler-esque. It's not surprising at all. 
Now, okay, I know you hate the pun, but you can't hate, hate the player. Tyler Harrow, 29 points, 29 minutes, a point per minute. What more could you ask for? Uh, seven for nine from the field, 12 for 16 from the line, and seven boards. Uh, first heat rookie with 29 plus since Dwayne Wade, a pretty decent Ooh, rookie, 2003. He was good. He was good at basketball. So, I mean, the obvious question is, is Tyler Harrow better than Dwayne Wade? But maybe a more reasonable question would be, <laughs> what do you think of Harrow so far? What do you think of this surprising rookie of the year race we have boiling up here in Miami between between him and Kendrick Nunn? I mean, I definitely like his game, right? He almost outscored the entire Hawks team in the second or third quarter. I can't totally remember. He had like a solid 20 points in a quarter or something. Um, he's incredible. I do think that he's getting that ROI traction, like you're saying, and I'm, it's exciting. This is going to sound, I don't want it to sound bad, but the ROI race. That's a really hard thing to say. Rookie of the year. Yeah. Rookie of the year. The rookie of the year race felt determined because Zion is clearly one of the best rookies coming into the season. He very unfortunately got derailed and now it's this wide open game and we're paying attention to all of these guys that could potentially deserve it. And I definitely think Harrow is up there. Um, still a terrible pun, but <laughs> but yeah, it, it's funny. I mean, obviously nobody wants to see Zion get hurt, but the one silver lining of the situation, assuming he comes back healthy and plays great, mm-hmm. it's just that it's really opened up that rookie of the year race. And we have a lot of really good candidates. I mean, when I was on the show two days ago, we were talking about John Moran having his breakthrough game. Kendrick Nunn every night, really Harrow every night has been a breakthrough for them. And what's great is that they also have Bam Adebayo, who is a second-year player now, but he seems to be taking that step forward. And you had a great battle in this game between two of the exciting young bigs in the league, between Adebayo and John Collins, who it still is hard to believe that he was the 19th pick in the draft for the Hawks. Mm-hmm. He had 30 points in this game, five for eight from deep. I think that was a career-high five threes for him. He's like, I'm watching him play, and I'm thinking, this is like 21st century Amari Stoudemire. And let's not forget <laughs> – Amari Sotomayor did play in the 21st century. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, he looked great. I also felt like he kind of ca- he kept the Hawks afloat for a little bit right after Trey Young, unfortunately, went out too, um, which hopefully, I know that we're going to cover it, but hopefully he comes back quick and perfect, 100%. Um, he kept them afloat for a little bit before they completely broke down, which is something I want to ask you. Who on this team, if Trey Young is out, who is their creator besides him? Do they have any depth in that position? I, I have no idea who. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that they know either. They're a bunch of young guys just trying to figure it out. They can potentially be exciting and make a lot of noise. But if Trey Young goes out and they fold this quickly, I just don't know what you do. Maybe it'll be Jabari Parker. I mean, he was five. He was second in the field goal attempts, and he's never been shy of taking a shot. But what's good is Shams Charania from the Athletics said that it looks like it's probably going to be a two-week layoff, depending on how the MRI comes out. But the X-ray came out clean, so hopefully, it's not too long before Trey is back out there. Salute, because they need him, man. And I mean, two weeks is a long time when you have sneaking into the playoff hope aspiration. So let's just hope that he really does come back in those two weeks. Well, we had a nail biter in Denver. The Mavs pulled it out 109 to 106, despite Luca having maybe his worst game as a Dallas Maverick. But in this one, the Mavericks played 10 players and nine of them were in double figures. That was actually shocking. I mean, Nitz, have you ever seen so much 
beautiful basketball being spread around. <laughs> uh, not that I can remember. And it's like you mentioned, Luca didn't have the best game that he possibly could have. So the fact that nine of them and, you know, the bench outscored the starters with the Mavs, which is insane. Uh, so that's exactly what you need is from these guys to step up. And let me be clear. I was being very sarcastic. That was a pretty hideous game and really neither. team. It was not. I don't think it was hideous. I think that, you know, Denver couldn't hit a lot of shots at one point and they weren't defend. Okay, fine. It wasn't beautiful. I was like talking myself into it as I was saying it. I don't think it was too ugly. I think seeing, you know, the, the ball shared that much amongst the team strength and numbers, all that good stuff. I think it's fun. It kind of felt like more like what it was one of those, you know, that moment where the lights turn on at the bar at 1:45 a.m. It was kind of like <laughs> one of those kind of games. But, uh, you know, what was great, though, was besides Maxi Kleber's defense was the ending had some pretty impressive defensive stops. We had uh, Denver at the end trying to run some sort of kind of like side pick and roll. And that got sniffed out perfectly. And Jamal Murray tried to take a step back and airballed it. And that was that was did not Ooh. really happen. That was a rough play, especially coming out of a timeout. And I understand that Dallas, you know, they did their job defensively great because they couldn't they didn't let him or anybody on the Nuggets get a better shot off. But I just don't understand how you can't get something better with like 10 seconds left coming out of a timeout. I mean, I, I just I never like it when you try to run a play and then you have to go into ISO. It's never fun. But, you know, sure. the thing that really kind of shocked me and bothered me, and I'm curious what you think of this, is at the end of the, So there was three seconds left after that. Dallas gets the ball. Uh, and Denver had just made some defensive substitutions. They wanted to try to get a steal on the inbounds. Inbounds goes long. They don't get to steal. And they don't foul. It's a three-second game. There's no timeouts. But, like, you got to at least try to foul right and try to squeeze something out, right? I don't know. I think that the game was pretty much over by then. I think what was weirder was when they fouled, uh, they followed Dallas with that like 14 seconds left to go instead of trying to get the steal. That was weird to me because they were up three then. And mind you, uh, tell me if, if I'm killing like the play by play over here, but they were up three then. They fouled him. I don't think that there was necessarily a point in there. They could have let them try to get a shot off and miss, right? But I then think they you just. That right. Yeah, they just put themselves in a worse hole. I think the entire last minute from Denver was confusing and then obviously exacerbated by that goaltend that got overturned. Shouts to um, shouts to the Mavs for having like a good coaches challenge, I guess. This is one of those moments where we actually kind of liked it. What do you think? I love it. I'm, I've been dying for the challenge. I've been. Oh, you like funny. it overall? I love the challenge overall, and I especially love that one. Yeah, I well, that's the thing is I can't believe that it is a take. And I'm a soccer fan. I've been seeing this with VAR that's being introduced in soccer now, and they're reacting the kind of the same way. It's like we've there's so many bad calls over the years that have kind of quietly changed championships, and we've always wanted to go. What if we could fix this problem? And now we finally can fix this problem. We had hey, when I was on the other once night once in a game. You're not fixing the problems. You're going to get bad calls no matter what. Uh, if we want to talk about the most hilarious one tonight is when Anthony Davis essentially pushed Grayson Allen um, yes. <laughs> so badly and like nothing was called there. But but that's because it was Grayson Allen. Oh, <laughs> I have so many jokes there that I can't make. Um, <laughs> but uh, you're right. I think that dark. overall, I kind of hate it. But nights like tonight when it was clearly a goaltend and it would have put the Nuggets one point over. 
you're right. I, I do like when they're used in like the very end for plays that actually matter all this, like using them in the for- like first quarter, just because you really were so mad at a call. It's odd. It just delays the game. Yeah. And I don't know why coaches are wasting for it, for that. Save it for when it matters. Like when Terry Stotts used it to basically win the game or save the game rather uh, mm-hmm. two nights ago, you know, for, for this. Terry one, Stotts like, is undefeated in those. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's Terry Stotts. I'm not surprised. Yeah. MVP of the coaches challenge. All right, let's get to some news here. The NCAA announced that it is preparing to start paying athletes or whatever that is supposed to actually mean. Now, you live in California, so you've mm-hmm. been kind of witnessing firsthand this whole thing play out. So I'm curious what you think of this situation. Is this actually the step forward people have been hoping for? I mean, I'd say it's a step forward. It's the bare minimum, right? They're feeling a lot of policy pressure because states are starting to actually pass some of these. They're feeling a lot of public pressure. They have been for a while, but I feel like it's definitely picked up in the last few years. Mind you, they're not paying athletes. They're letting them get money off of their likeness, which seems like the most common sense thing and kind of buys them time now to try to figure out how they're actually going to start paying these guys or sharing in revenue. Um, please correct me if that's wrong, but this doesn't, it doesn't sound like much. It sounds like the absolute bare minimum that they could do. Yeah. And this is, well, I, I think the one thing is that this is probably going to affect the athletes in the majors in the major producing sports as far mm-hmm. as revenue. So it doesn't solve the, cause you know, because of, um, because of the way the law is set up federally, you have to, if you're going to start paying players, you kind of have to pay all of the sports equally, but especially between genders as well. So mm-hmm. that's like a much different hurdle to tackle. And, you know, it's not as obvious of a just pay the player situation, but in this case, if there is, I mean, this all started with Ed O'Bannon suing over the video game that had his likeness in it. Right. So like if he's in that video game, he should be getting paid for that. Especially he's not even in college anymore. It's the most ridiculous part. But so <laughs> he's at, I mean, Zion Williamson, if he was in a video game, they've sure as hell should have been paying him for it as soon as he was able to get paid for it so it is great to see that they are doing that especially so that a lot of these kids aren't literally broke while they're superstars in college because that is a real thing broke not able to like get lunch from your coaches not able to get a sit it's the ncaa is so ridiculous at this point than the fact that we're even talking about it is just it's so silly and I assume you're talking about our next topic, which is the Kyrie Irving <laughs> show. So and this is an interesting one. As someone who covered Kyrie Irving up close for the past couple of years, I was not surprised by any of the things that uh, I read in Jackie McMullen's piece on ESPN, which basically said Kyrie Irving is moody and insular. And I mean, that's something that has been known at every single one of his last few stops. I mean, I had something on the athletic that uh, back in I think during the summer where there was a story that I had in there about how I had been told about uh, from a couple different places that there were stories of Kyrie getting into elevators with like his coaches or staff members that he like were supposed to be working closely with them and they would try to say hi to him and he would just straight up ignore them and not say anything to them. Like that's, that's, it's just a part of his personality. It's like, and people are just kind of struggling to accept that. So what's the point? Okay. And like much respect to Jackie as a reporter, of course, not a knock on her. What is the point of reporting on this? I think like obviously a big part of the reaction to the story was that we're speculating and reporting on someone's mental health based on quotes and sources, which are most definitely, you know, legit. But what like what does this do? What is the point 
of sort of commenting on someone's whose patterns might just be like their own coping mechanism with their mood disorder, potentially not to diagnose someone. You know what I mean? I think the important thing is that, um, and I don't think it's what you're trying to do, but like most of the reaction by the public has been trying to diagnose Kyrie. I mean, I saw the word bipolar way too many times across my Twitter timeline today. And Twitter like, thought, psychologists like mute. You know yeah, what I like, mean? I, as someone who is, was around Kyrie for multiple years on a frequent basis, who's talked to him many times, has talked to people around him many times, I'm telling you, when it comes to like trying to identify something something like mental illness, you can't do that based off of just hearing a couple stories, especially potentially hearsay stories, like and seeing a couple clips of them talking. You need to be around that person to understand their baseline way of behaving. And I can tell you, Kyrie is a very up and down person. I'm also a very up and down person. You should have heard me screaming at nits before we started recording. <laughs> The show. <laughs> okay, so, first of all, I was screaming back. Second of all, actually, it was mostly um, like you talking trash about it before. The but show. I completely agree with you, right? That at the, that's the base of the problem here is that like we, all of this is speculation on a guy that none of us has have spoken to directly, um, and none of us well, can diagnose never. because we're not psychologists. And at I just don't see the point of talking about his moods if it's not currently affecting much. Well, that's the thing. And I think what she was showing is that it is, it is a thing. And that's the important thing. And why I think she handled it well is that it was a huge thing in Boston. And it was something that we all were hearing about in kind of veiled ways. And now we're starting to hear about in a much more direct way. And people that were kind of you know, kind of hinting at it in a veiled way to me, both off the record, on the record, to other reporters around here. Now they're starting to talk about it in much more straightforward terms. It was, and it's become more apparent to me in the conversations I've been having that it was something that was clearly impacting the team. And Jackie is very well aware of that. And so she was going down to Brooklyn to find out like, how is this team doing? How are they coming together? And since we have a couple examples, we now know it was an issue and it's already popped up and uh, we got to, we got to finish the segment quickly. So I'll just say the half thing is the ridiculous thing. It's, it's the thing that's <laughs> as simple as like telling someone I'm not going to take off my hat. So Photoshop it out. It's not like you're saying I won't take off my hat because I want people to see my hat. You're saying I will not give you the decency of removing this hat from my head. That is the least I could possibly muster as a human being effort wise. And I'm going to make you Photoshop it out. That's a level of entitlement that actually gets in the way of building a team successful. I know I'm just, I'm just in the mindset that instead of let's talk about how it's causing all these problems, what kind of environment can we make for a guy that has a certain personality or mood or whatever you want to call it, because we could get deep down there and just put him in an environment that, you know, fosters, his comfort. I don't even have a good way of saying that. Just putting him in a better environment. Well, hopefully Kenny Atkinson has it figured out. All right, let's get to the last game of the evening. Lakers 120, Grizzlies 91 in Los Angeles. Anthony Davis, pretty solid game. I would say 40 and 20 in the first three quarters. Went 26 for 27 from the line, all while dealing with a, a shoulder injury. And uh, Bill Simmons, actually, of all people, pulled off from the play index <laughs> a real gem. The only other 40 and 20 game with 25 free throw attempts in, I believe, regular season history was Will Chamberlain's 100 point game. Oof. 
Yeah, great game. You know, that hardened stat line from the free throw line is and kind of I'm just kidding. That's rude. Um, he deserved those free throws. Um, yeah, incredible game from AD. I didn't know if he should have kept playing. I think that's my only question there is why are you playing him in October if he has that shoulder injury and he's going to the locker room in the first quarter? But glad he did. If he feels comfortable, then he feels comfortable. Yeah, I mean, they're usually able to kind of figure out, you know, what is the likelihood of, you know, you've suffered this injury by going back out there. Is that really going to exacerbate the injury? I must, I mean, we have no idea at this point, but mm-hmm. you would assume by him being out there, considering that their entire future refs, rests on him not getting hurt, <laughs> and he's someone who has been hurt several times throughout his career, I'm assuming they were extremely cautious with that one. Um, but it would be pretty funny if they weren't in that backfire, and that would be pretty insane. Well, yeah, do you think a part of it is that he doesn't want, like, you know, he's a tough guy. You are, you've had this sort of label on you as like injury prone your entire career. If it's not something serious, you're going to want to play. Yeah, but I think AD knows what's on the line for himself. I don't think he's going to be dumb enough to put himself in harm's way. And of course, that's on the coaching staff. That's on the coaching staff Mm -hmm. to hold him out. Okay, Dwight Howard has a plus 57 to lead the league at this point. Uh, the plus minus stat, especially in a small sample size, is mostly just irony. It's you know not necessarily reflective of performance, but it's just it's so ridiculous that it's Dwight Howard of all people on this team of all places. Uh, but Dwight Howard, another game, another good performance. Yeah, he's been incredibly solid. It's nice to see. He talked about this as his redemption year and as much as the jokes would have been wonderful. It's nice to see a guy come back to a team where he felt like he had unfinished business and he's getting cheers from Lakers fans coming into the game, which is not something I think any of us expected. And then they all sang taco Tuesday at the end. So everybody got their calls. And uh, last thing with the Lakers, uh, actually just one thing to shout out for, uh, for the Lakers is that Memphis went up 15 to two in the first three minutes and they scored 76 points over the final 45 minutes. So uh, the Lakers, like they slipped on a banana peel at the beginning of the game and then they somehow managed to write themselves again and they really got back on track, but they're really going to get back on track when Kyle Kuzma returns. And that could be as soon as this weekend, according to our shops, Sharon, so you're out in L.A. How excited is L.A. for Kyle Kuzma to be back? <laughs> Luckily, I work from home, so I don't interact with too many Lakers fans. Um, but I did talk to one today and they're hyped. Like Kyle Kuzma is obviously missed on this team and he's one of those pieces that they're going to need. They're pretty, you know, they're not a deep team. So getting someone like him back is great. And he's obviously one of the most popular guys out here. And he comes off the bench when he comes back, right? With the way that Dwight's been playing and with AD thriving at the floor. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like you can start the guy who can you play question. Can you, can you play AD at the five? Can we just go for it? And then you start Kuzma. I mean, you can, but most, most teams that like to finish a little bit small tend to start a big man next to whoever finishes small as their five, particularly for the point of them not getting beat up earlier in the game. So they're kind of ready to take on that role later in the game. So I, you know, especially with the Dwight Howard playing pretty well right now, I don't really see a reason to do that, but they could just go point LeBron and then they can squeeze Kuzma in there because Danny Green clearly needs to be starting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. But also, you can't get in the way of the goat Alex Caruso. So it's a real it's a real conundrum there. I think they're going to figure it out. And, you know, worst case scenario, not even worst case, he comes off the bench and he gives that second unit a little bit more life. 
Yeah, well, you know what? We have a line of the night on the show, and obviously it is Anthony Davis, 40, 20. Whoa. Numbers. I was going to pick Tyler Harrow. <laughs> what? I'm not even kidding. Go for it. I'm Go not even it. kidding. Tell I'll why. tell you what, because like AD had a ridiculous night and he deserved those free throws, blah, 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 blah. Am I excited watching a guy shoot 27 free throws? No. No part of me like wants to watch that. So I'm going to give it to Harrow, whatever his line was, because it's not really. So you'd rather the, you'd rather the guy with 16 free throw attempts. OK, I guess that makes it. Oh, fun. I didn't even know that. OK, you're right. Let's give it to AD. <laughs> no, you know that's what? 29 brutal. points in 29 minutes. That's fun. I love the symmetry of it. <laughs> God, that's going to do it for today's show. So don't forget about the other basketball shows across the athletic podcast network. We have your favorites like the back to back tampering podcast house of strauss plus over a dozen team specific shows available from some of your favorite athletic beat writers don't forget to follow to get notifications for new episodes thanks for waking up with us nit stick us out of here ding ding ding